Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply My name is John. What's cabbage, I guess. And this is... <laughs> this is Broadway Breakdown. Breakdown. Ooh, we're like the Olsen twins. I'm one half of your hosts. And I'm one fourth of your hosts at this current state. You kind of are. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, we should put this on record. Uh, I've been... Uh, in case you didn't hear uh, the last episode i've been sick and i'm still sick. Been sick i've been very sick um my stomach has been very compromised and i've lost a lot of weight and john said, don't say it i said i just said that he looks very skinny and i did, did not say any other joke that could be offensive no just to be perfectly and frank with you <laughs> it was very very meaningful to me to hear john say it that's all i'll say um but yes. all, i mean you also regurgitated my joke so like what John, honestly, I mean, now that you don't have a gag reflex, what else is anyone going to do with you? (laughs) I don't know. It sounded fun in my head. Like this podcast with you. (laughs) Fair. Very fair. Um, I also love, um, hey, to any new listeners we may have out there, we don't normally start each episode with um, talking about our ailments. Just kidding, we do. We do. This, um... The very first episode we said about Broadway Breakdown is that we would cover Broadway, death, and everything in between. Did we say death? We did say death. I was in a very safe place there, emotionally. <laughs> yeah. Wow, we, two years of therapy really does wonders. It two really years. does. Right. Oh, two, two. Wait, it's been two... You've been... You had two years before that, or you're saying two years since then? Two years since then. Two okay. And, two, and yeah. a half, two and a half years. We are approaching our second anniversary. No, third, right? No. We, because we started, <laughs> math, you stupid motherfucker. Um, we started in 2017. 17, 17. July I remember, 2017. I remember yeah. it well. Mm-hmm. Delicious ah, year. Yes. I remember it well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we're, we're getting there. We're getting close to two. It's nice. And wow. our terrible twos. Our terrible twos. And, and we're living up to the name. But our listeners love it. And to prove how much they love it, I have whipped out. 
Da, 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 da. Welcome to Matthew's Masturbation Corner. No. <laughs> yes, but no. Um, so we actually recorded this last time, but John is a stupid bitch who didn't have his mic on, so I had to cut it. And I really want our listeners to know that we see you, we hear you, and I think you're really fucking funny. Uh, I have set out to our listeners to write amazingly gay reviews for the podcast on iTunes. Slowly but surely, we're getting more of them. Here are two new ones. New-ish to us. John's not going to find it as funny the second time around, but I still find them delightful. So, fuck you, John. Miss dot 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 Vanjie question mark wrote, like Disneyland, but fruitier. Not since the 2016 Tony Awards have two bottoms Audra McDominated this Broadway bussy. Who hosted the 2016 Tony Awards? Was it Josh Groban and... No. <laughs> it wasn't uh, Josh Groban and Anne Frank. What? <laughs> she, she, is, she is on the mind today. She is. God bless. Uh, it was James Corden. Oh, really? Yeah. Who, Who's doing it again? Yes. Yeah, because 2016 was the Hamilton Tonys. <gasps> yes. yes. So, and he's I doing w- it again. I was in a weird place that Tony night. I remember it. Yeah. I remember it well. Continue. <laughs> Catherine McPhee would be so proud of the smiles, capital smile there, that these two provide to the MT twinks in their 40s. Sit down, Landon from Boco. Stop turning and get your zhuzh from this podcast, Hanny. Great reference. Great. We did talk. I remember being. I remember being very impressed by this yes. when you did read it to me the first time, and, and think, "Wow, this person." I mean, truly, just step aside, Annie Baker. Like they, they, they took me on a journey. The flick, more like fuck you. <laughs> I don't know. I the can't. flick, more like the dick. Huh. Um, no, no, it's a, it's a great one, and I love all the references. Uh, Landon from Boco is episode two ref. Uh, two different smile references. Thank Too you. Different. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> after that we have uh, Phil Krug. Krug wrote breast. breast. <laughs> he just wrote breast. He wrote breast. That's what he wrote about us. And it's the to one be thing on- we and, need. And to be honest, it makes sense. It makes absolute sense. I was like, "Who are you, my father?" <laughs> wrote best Broadway pod exclamation point. Excellent insight into both modern musical theater and the classics includes discussion of the entertainment and business side with hysterical banter between the two crazy. And here we Excuse have. Excuse me? We, well, we have a SAT word here, y'all. Pulchritudinous. Pulchritudinous? Is that the word? Pulchritudinous, right? No, it's P U L C H R I T U D I N O U S. I can't. Um, Pulchritudinous. I have this weird thing where. Pulchritudinous. Words that are spelled out loud, my brain doesn't comprehend it. Um. <laughs> it's a word. I did well, lo- thank you so much for listening <laughs> well, to this episode. I everyone. did look up the word because I still. Oh, I was just going to look it up. Okay, no. two times. Um, no, well, if you want to look it up too to make sure I'm correct and not just remembering things in my own way, uh, I believe it means like pleasing to look at, which is oh. very kind of you, but we're also not seen on this podcast so it's like but this is the most beautiful we'll ever look this each, is each true. episode of this i mean it's a shame we're not yeah really... it, it just it just it's an adjective that also means beautiful dan gazed and who the fuck is dan dan <laughs> gazed admiringly at the pulchritudinous brunette mm. Mm. thanks dan uh and thank you phil krug phil krug Phil, Philip Krug. Philip Krugman Kruger, I don't know. Two crazy Pulchritudinous hosts. Mm. So that was very sweet. Um, so all I'm saying to y'all is you better step your bussies up because I loved both of those reviews. 
I'm also gonna say that if you ever do want to read the reviews, you can also just read the reviews. But Matt still likes to take this time <laughs> to whip to, it out. To, to whip it out just makes me make me feel uncomfortable. And on Annie air. Baker's the flick the bean, uh, and just you know have a lovely old time. So thank you, reviewers. Thank you, listeners. Uh, I don't thank John because that last review was not about him. It talked about insight. I know, definitely. Yeah, any anything that mentions insight, I'm uh. I'm the opposite of insight. I'm um, outblind. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge dollar. So I saw three shows since You're the last time we spoke. It would have been four, but I had a ticket for Be More Chill on Wednesday, and I thought it was eight, but it was for two. So when I went to check my phone around six to make sure that like I needed to get there at the right time, it was like the matinee, and I went, Fuck. Oh, the two. Oh God! Yeah. So what? Do you did you did you just lose it? Do you, uh, yeah, it was you, you TDF. Exchange, oh. It was TDF, so I ate it. So it was fifty bucks, which is sad, but um, it's been popping up a little bit on TDF, so I know I'll be able to see it again. Oh, has it? Yeah, I mean, not like every day, but yeah. like if you if you go on the website, um, like every two days, you'll probably see it at least once or twice that week. So I think that's uh, TDF is probably how I'm going to see Hades Town. Hopefully, in the next couple of days, like yeah. we, we've been, we've been planning to go see it. Um, it's it's on it's on Zaterp. Yeah. Uh, Hades Town is how I saw uh, TDF is how I saw Hades Town as well and that's sort of been like you have to check every day and then like if it's up there's usually like a whole bunch of tickets for like that one day mm. but it goes really fast so you just gotta be like grab it yeah. Um, yeah so I saw Hades Town I saw Hillary and Clinton oh. and I saw Oklahoma Oh, yes. we put a question mark instead of the exclamation point because oh. this production puts a question mark instead of an exclamation point let me tell you I cannot um, tell if you're a fan or not, so I can't wait to un- unpack that. It's a mystery. Let's get into it. Uh, I won't talk about Hillary and Clinton very much, mostly because uh, I thought it was like just sort of fine. Um, yeah, it, it kind of seems like it like it would be two really amazing consummate actors playing kind of these two powerhouse roles. Um, but I, I don't feel as if we were going to have any groundbreaking catharsis yeah. surrounding those kind of characters, yeah. at least not right now. Yeah, it's also, like, they, the roles aren't even really written as powerhouses, which was really uh, disappointing oh. to me. Like, I was ready for it to be, like, the Laurie Metcalf, John Lithgow show. Yeah. And, like, they're in it, like, and she's on stage the entire time. But it's, like, I don't know, it's kind of a why play, because they don't really ask any significant questions, in my opinion. Mm. They don't do anything interesting, um, and it's, they don't even make Hillary a meaty enough role for Laurie Metcalf to just, like, tear into. And That's you know she could. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's not like, you don't walk out and go, oh, I no. wasted my day. Sure. Um, it's also only 85 minutes, so, oh, like, well, I know. Party, so love that. I mean, if Angels in America were 85 minutes, it'd be running to this day. <laughs> Would it? I don't know. Um, that's neither here nor there. Uh. I'll go into Hades Town first because I can be pretty concise about that. Great. Um, overall, really, really, really liked it. Yes. I saw it uh, in its second week of preview, so there might have been some changes since I saw it. Sure. So take it. So take my opinions on it with a grain of salt, listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music is gorgeous. Yeah, from what I've heard from of the music. Um, uh, it's it, it, yeah, yeah. It is it is really phenomenal music. It's beautifully orchestrated. Uh, the design is really effective. Mm. Staging is really uh solid. There are times when it's like super incredible. Um, I love me a three part turntable. I love uh, me a Rachel Chavkin. Like. Yeah. Well, so I'll get to that in a second because okay. her work in Hades Town is phenomenal for the most part. But I have one 
gripe with it. And it's kind of her. Mm. Um, and But it also becomes, it's a larger thing. And I can get into that also when I talk about Oklahoma as well. Sure. Um, the cast is really strong. Uh, mm. I mean, Ava mm. Noblezada mm. is... Oh. She's, she's, I walked by her on the street a couple weeks ago and it took everything in my power not to punch her in the face because I love her so much. You, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I, I, it would be a lifetime movie with the two of you. Yeah. I want to punch you so much. I love you. The John Wiscavige, Ava Noblezada story on Lifetime. Yeah. Brought to you by heavy uh, knit sweaters. Yeah. And Dove chocolate. Oh. But, mm. no, I absolutely know what you mean. Her voice is just insane and she's a mm. really great actress. She's so, a really great yeah. actress. The role doesn't quite allow her to tap into as she, much as she's she like can. a Persephone role, right? If uh, I, Eurydice. Eurydice. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. The one who goes down yeah, to Hades. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, she and Reeve Carney are the lovers. The way that they sort of portray Orpheus is that he's kind of like on the spectrum in a way. Okay. Which is fine. It makes the romance a little harder to believe because they have to fall in love so quickly and because he's so awkward Odd. and yeah. yeah, so awkward and like unable to really communicate, it's harder to buy into it. Mm. Um but, I mean, I think Reeve Carney did a good job playing that. I f- think that any issues I would have with his performance is more their choice to portray Orpheus that way. Sure. Um, but, like, whatever. He, I thought he sounded really lovely. It's a hard role to sing. He is up there. Oh, vo- really? Vocally speaking, yeah. He has to use his falsetto, like, every 10 seconds. Yes. And not even, like, a pretty little intimate falsetto. Like, he has to... He, he can't. He's not allowed to shriek, nor is he allowed to be quite intimate. He has to, like, make it sound fluid, like he's... It's still in his chest voice, but still falsetto. It's a weird kind of I mix. That, he ha- though, yeah, it's a yeah. weird kind of mix he has to do. Yeah, and I don't envy him. It's it's a really fascinating, really lovely piece. Um, yeah, there it, one thing kept me from being totally moved by it, and it's a technical thing. And I'll come back to that in a minute okay. as I go into Oklahoma question mark. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Oklahoma also really liked. Um, I went in knowing it was going to be very, very different. Mm-hmm. I brought my two grandmothers, my 95-year-old grandmother and my 88-year-old grandmother. The Amazing. 95-year-old fucking loved it. Love that. She was like, oh my God, it's so different. And the 88-year-old's like, I don't like the curly. <laughs> um, it, this production's going to divide everybody. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I'm into that. Yeah. But it's like weirdly not <coughs> that... Excuse me. Yeah, you're, uh, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you're blessed. Uh, it's not that avant-garde, to be perfectly honest. There, there are moments where you're like, oh. Someone just said that this Oklahoma fucks, you know? that like This... Yeah. That, that's, that's what... This is. Oklahoma def- is yeah. uh, Oklahoma that fucks, to be sure. Um, the lights are on almost all the time. Wait, really? Yeah. On, on the audience? Yeah, on, on the audience, on, on everybody. So there's, oh. there are two moments when the lights go out completely. Just like complete darkness. And then there are a couple of times where they do a light cue to like green or like a orangey haze. And it's yeah. very rare and they do it at very specific moments. But f- I would say 85% of the time, it's just like bright lights th- throughout the entire theater. Oh. So you see the cast, you see the audience, wow. you see everything. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, and everybody's in modern day dress. Right. Um, and the energy is very grounded and lived in. Yeah. Uh, so there's still there's still energy to it. There's still a lot of excitement. Uh, like Ali Stroker as Ado Annie is very high energy. She's yeah. phenomenal. I can't say no is a big showstopper. I've heard. Yeah. yeah. They don't go like, what if we did it? Like Lori and Curly were in an S and M relationship, and Ado Annie was schizophrenic. It's not that. Like, yeah. It's it's pretty straightforward. The they don't cut any text. They don't do anything radically different with the text. They're just like, what if we didn't perform it like we're in a nostalgia fused production? Just yeah. like these are 
normal people, normal day. It, and it's set during our current time period? Or yeah. question mark? That's, that, the that's, que- the that's question sort of where the question mark is. Got because it. they are dressed in modern day clothes. Correct. The set doesn't really give you any indication of where we're at because it's very bare bones. It's picnic tables and bleached wood everywhere and there are gun racks everywhere. Mm. Um, they don't show any like cell phones or anything like that. And they keep the text as is. So all things in terms of like money or um, technology is all still whatever's written. Mm. In 1943. So it it does sort of exist in this vacuum of time where it's sort of, it's then, but it's also now. Yeah. Uh, I had two issues with it, um, which are both not like deal breakers, I think, in seeing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca Nomi Jones plays Lori, mm-hmm. and she's so talented. I've seen her I'm in- such a, Yeah, I'm a yeah. huge fan of hers. I saw her in American Idiot, Passing Strange. She's so- Did you see her talented. in Murder Ballad? No, oh. she was. She left by the time I saw it. Oh, she was so good in that, Murder Ballad. Literally, everyone I know who saw her in it was like, "You don't understand." Oh, she's um, so good. Oh and God, sorry. She's not bad in Oklahoma. It's more that I feel like I could understand what she was trying to go for, and I didn't think it totally clicked. Sure. She was going for what I what I thought she was going for with Lori was a woman who's constantly repressing her urges, mm. most of them sexual. Mm. So you see her sort of going the opposite direction of like shutting down a lot and like being as cold as possible. Mm. And then all that's supposedly flooding over in the second half when she has her altercation with Judd, when she and Curly finally get together, when all this stuff happens. So she's a much colder Lori than people are going to be used to. Mm. And I didn't mind it, but it there were times when I was feeling like it was almost a robotic speaking voice in some of her dialogue, mm. which I felt was more sort of good in theory rather than in practice. Sure. But that is something that was a me thing. Um, yeah. Other people could be into it. I also f- wish that they had lowered the keys for some of her songs by about half a step because uh. they kept them in the original keys, but she still belted it. Oh. And she sounds good, but there are a couple of notes where I was a little worried for a second. And I would rather not be worried for her. I'd rather just enjoy her voice. I guess I kind of expected her to... um live in more of a, like a mixy soprano place no, rather than not belty. at all not a party she, is she party adore no she does like a little wispy soprano stuff uh sure in like intimate in moments. stylized yeah way. when they they do a when they do the reprise of people will say we're in love in act two it is like they're in a mic together their mouths are basically over each other and it's like they're singing at a one volume level mm. that that kind of soprano stuff and then the other thing i didn't care for was the ballet which um i won't spoil for people i know very little about it but i've, I've heard sim i've heard that is if there's one thing that is the most polarizing about this production i would say yeah. it's that um so this was done with just one dancer okay and it they really were sort of hitting home that Lori is hallucinating and making it very like kind of odd And why I didn't care for it was that I wasn't sure what story they were trying to tell in the dream through the dancing. The choreography was not telling me any kind of story. Mm. It just felt very uncomfortable. Mm. Um, And I'm sure there are some people who are much more uh, knowledgeable about modern dance who can tell me more about it Mm. or caught stuff that I didn't. But that was where I was at when I saw it. Sure. Um, Otherwise, I really liked it. And... Uh, it was really refreshing to see such a different take on it, especially after coming off of Kiss Me Kate, which I found to be rather colorless, as we remember. Uh, to see this production, which was really kind of just taking some bold choices and, and sticking to it, I was really grateful for that. 
Um, my point with Oklahoma that I want to yeah, I was going to say, how are you going to? I'm intrigued on how this all gets tied back Daniel, together. Seeing Daniel Fish, the director of Oklahoma's work on it, and Rachel Chapkin with Hades Town, I'm starting to feel a little bit with directors anyway on Broadway that our most inventive and original directors in musical in musical theater right now don't truly have the musical in their bones. And the directors that do have the musical in their bones are not nearly as inventive or original as those other directors, which is not my way to throw shade at anybody. It's just something I've been observing for the last couple of years. Rachel Shafkin, I think, is such a brilliant visionary. And there's one thing keeping Hades down for me from just like knocking me over sideways. And it's such a stupid technical thing, but it makes sense when you think about it. And it's that there are too many buttons and applause breaks in Hades Town. There are about two dozen of them throughout the entire show. And the plot is so thin. It is essentially, the it's the myth, Eurydice gets bitten, she goes down to Hades, mm-hmm. Orpheus goes to try to get her, he almost retrieves her at the end. Um, and it's spread out over a lot of time. And there are so many buttons in Hades Town, which most of them didn't need to be there. Mm. And the whole thing would have swept me up more if I wasn't constantly... If you were caught up in the whirlwind of... Yeah. And the reason I bring this up is because if you go... I never thought I'd say this to anybody, but if you go watch Phantom Finding of the... Finding Neverland? O- oh. <laughs> Fuck you. I hate you so much. Finding <laughs> Neverland. No. Phantom of the Opera. If you uh-huh. go see Phantom of the Opera... Yes. I know what you're saying, though, because I was quite shocked when I saw Phantom of the Opera, and, and yeah. Yeah, there's so, there, there may be, like, two applause breaks in Act 1, maybe, yeah. um, and, like, one or two in Act 2, and there's a reason for that. Hal Prince was a smart enough director to know that this is a romantic piece, and if you stop too often to think about it, you're gonna get out of it. You'll get uh, thrown out of it, and you won't be caught up in the romance of it all hmm. and if you just sort of let ride the train and keep it going you can enjoy it more maybe that's one of the reasons why i didn't care for come from away so much because i felt i felt that so many of the songs buttoned in such a yeah. similar way in the beginning that I, I just thought for the first 40 minutes i i felt like i kept watching the same number over and over and over again and yeah. so i i just thought okay come yeah. on Come, come on, Canadians! Like, yeah, and, and that that's totally fair. But yeah, that's that's what I mean. Is I get that. Yeah, there are so many times, and actually, this Oklahoma, they take away a lot of the buttons. They there are very few times where you're allowed to applaud, and it really kind of keeps you in the moment. Um, but even with this Oklahoma, there are a couple of times where it was like, if you really had like the musical theater in your bones, Daniel Fish, like this moment could have landed a bit better. Like there are sometimes mm. where laughs don't land quite as well as they are meant to sure. um, because of a weird staging moment or transitional moment. And it's not, and I'm not trying to say that he or Rachel Chapkin don't understand musicals. I think they do yeah, from like a technical standpoint, but someone like a Hal Prince or Michael Bennett or Bob Fosse, who just like knew exactly how to make an audience applaud or not applaud or when a song really needed to have a button or not have a button. Um, there's a famous story with Gypsy when it was out of town. They didn't have a button at the end of Rose's turn because they were like, we don't want the audience to applaud. She's having a breakdown. Yeah. Artistically, it makes no sense. And Oscar Hammerstein came to see the show out of town. And they're like, why is the show not ending the way we want it to? Like, audiences are not leaping to their feet at the end of the show. But they're, but when we talk to them afterwards, they say it's good. Oscar Hammerstein's like, you need that button. Mm-hmm. And they go, why? And he goes, because they're not listening to the rest of the scene afterwards because they're just waiting to applaud for Merman. Mm-hmm. So you need to give them that button. They'll applaud the hell out of her. Then they'll listen to the scene afterwards, and that's an important scene. And then there'll be closure, and then they'll love the show. Mm-hmm. And they did. And the show is the show we know today. Yeah. Time, boys, I'm taking the and everything's coming 
that's awesome theater. Yes, you talk did. Let's talk me. about it. Let's talk about Let's it. Let's talk about my life. Um, I finally saw The Prom. Yay! Which was just such a little gift. I mean, one of my favorite people in the whole world, Caitlin Kinnan, and just being a little gay little star up there, a little, little lesbian. <laughs> a little lesbian. A little lesbian guitar player. Um, I loved it. It, it. It's such a fun piece of theater that I kept, um, I kept kind of like sitting back and just going, I, I wish there were more original pieces that were like this, that just mm-hmm. kind of took really, I think they took a lot of weird swings in that show. Oh yeah. A lot of weird swings. And do I think that all of them are successful? No, but are, are I mean, in what show where you take a lot of comedic swings like that is everything perfect? Absolutely. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. But I loved it so much. Beth Level is just mm. an alien. She's an alien, is she what is. I've decided. Um, and so I, I love watching her. I truly cannot wait to play Barry in the revival. <laughs> um, Brooks is just amazing. I did not see Christopher Sieber. His understudy was on, and his understudy was really good. Um, I love the the give it some jazz. Yeah, that that what what a, what a great role for that actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then the the weird like cherry on the piece of the cake. So I haven't seen Caitlin a ton recently. Um, but then the other day I was. Uh, walking by and like I was totally in my head and I, I'm sure I was walking like a crazy person super quickly and someone goes John and I turn it was Caitlin and and, uh, and I had just seen the show last week last week and then so seeing her this week we got to talk a little more but I also happened to see her the day right after uh, Ryan Murphy announced yeah That Ryan Murphy announced what, John? The, he is turning the prom into a Netflix movie musical. Um, and, and so it's, which I just, I, I, I support, I think. I, I, well, so Ryan, they, Ryan Murphy is just such a funny little, um, funny little gnome to me. He's, yeah. he's a, he's a what, what a, what a queer little duck. He reminds me of Mr. Pennywise in, in It. Just like, he pops up when you least expect it. He pops it. up in the and weirdest he, places. And he feeds off of your, like, most uh, uh, weak gaynesses. Yeah. Um, so, do we know if it's a full-on movie? Like, it's going to be shot on location? Or is he going to do, like, I a think filming? It's, I think it's a full-on movie. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so no one really knows the details yet, but, um... I mean, it was it was just really funny because I had read about it the night before, and I meant to text her. I mean, it, I, this is not me saying Caitlin's doing the movie. This is not me saying anything. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that when these kind of opportunities pop up, no one knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And the cast could literally be James Corden um, as Emma and Leah Michelle as uh, Izzy. Uh, is that her name? Yeah, Izzy. Right. The uh, the girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, uh, no one knows who's going to play who. No one knows what this actually entails, how connected it's going to be to mm-hmm. the Broadway show, if any of them are going to transfer. Mm-hmm. It's not me saying any of that. Um, it's just uh, it's just a funny... I remember seeing that headline pop up, and... What's a good comparison? Um, kind of like when you stub your toe... You're surprised that you, you, that know you what have I mean? a toe. What? No, like, what? You're, you're you're just surprised. You're you're caught off guard for a moment, and then you kind of have to gather your bearings, and, and you go, "Oh, that's not a terrible thing." 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm well. So yeah, it is. It's a little double-edged sword for me because we all know how I feel about Ryan Murphy. I don't care for him, but I am all for the prom having more life outside well. of the theater. I, I am as well. Um, and like, it's Netflix, so it's a bit more of a safety net. Um, yeah. I see safety Netflix. Safety Netflix. That's what we call it. That's no what we call that. it. That what, let's coin it. Safety Netflix trademark. Um, trademark BB. Broadway breakdown. Broadway not breakdown. One, not, not your BB. No. Um, but no, I mean, I loved The Prom so much as well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, were there things that I was like, oh, that doesn't totally work or like I would change that? Sure. I mean, I think if you were to like go through the whole lexicon of Broadway musicals, you can maybe find three that are technically perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, like perfection is overrated. Yeah. Um, oh my I th- God, I hate there's it. There's a difference between greatness and perfection. Like there are great musicals that have some flaws to them, but that's yeah. also what makes them great. Yeah. Um, Hear that? Flaws make you great. Yeah, exactly. Take that, Ryan Murphy. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge dollar. Uh, let's get into some TV. Yeah, let's um, talk about TV. Because there's we haven't we haven't done that in a while. I feel no. But before we-, we before we get into territory that we both can dig in on, let's keep it theater related for a hot second and just yes. talk about the new series that came out. Yes, Dorothy Verden. Very excited. I have not watched it yet. I was going to actually maybe watch it this morning. Um, but instead, I just kind of laid on my couch. That sounds about right. John's like, I was going to do something, then I decided to do nothing. Yeah, because I, well, that's because I have been doing too many somethings and my brain, um, my yes. brain's dying. Yes, you have been very busy, to be My fair. brain is dying. Um, but so talk about it. I'm very excited to watch it and to, I, um, well, to see what's, to see what the, the DL is. Um, how familiar are you with like what? going on with it in terms of like the structure and all that not very familiar because the other day i read a tweet that said i cannot believe that i believe it was actually a former broadway breakdown guest robbie rizal said um i just found out that fossey verden is not written and produced and created by ryan murphy and i <laughs> was shocked and said oh i do know nothing about this ah yeah no it definitely seems like a murphy show especially it it's also on fx and he's like right and he's he's their baby yeah exactly it's their gay baby yeah and the way that they kind of marketed it they were trying to make it something similar to feud yes it, it, it read very feud yeah me. um so it is so their main source of uh material to base it off of it is the recent Fosse biography. Mm. Uh, it's recent. I think it came out like five years ago. Uh, it's a phenomenal biography. I highly recommend it. It's long. It's a long book, but it's a very fast read. Mm. Um, and the, sh- the show chronicles it similar to the book in the sense that the book does it in chapters of going from his birth to his demise. And every chapter is like, you know, it's like 26 years left, 15 years left, 10 months left, like th- things like oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, because Fosse died in 87, uh, in DC, he was going to the opening night of the national tour of sweet charity that was starring Donna McKechnie and Verdon was actually his date. And she was like accompanying him out of the hotel to the opening night. He had a heart attack and like died in her arms. Very poetic when you think about, when you think about the relationship. Um, so the show takes that as well, but then they also mess around with, um, timelines it goes all over the place so yeah it kind of seemed like it would because of how many different people um have been announced as characters yeah in, in the different shows of his life yeah which is fun. i mean they announced like laura austin's with shirley mclean because shirley mclean did the movie version of sweet charity so far i mean maybe she shows up again in the first episode she pops up for a second to say like three lines and i was like oh hmm. 
great. Glad we had a moment with Shirley then. Uh, it they they like start with him in DC, and then it goes to him filming the Sweet Charity movie, and then Sweet Charity opening, and then it's him starting to film Cabaret, and then it goes like back for a second. Mm. Um, and then I think episode two goes back to how they met, and then episode three is like. Her uh, but only one story. episode's aired yet. Yeah. Correct? yeah, but like you see, they they did a promo for the second episode. It's them working together on Damn Yankees, and I was like, oh, so we're like going backwards and forward. And then they also like showed uh, some scenes of them rehearsing Chicago. I'm like, so oh. how like are we just like going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards? I'm not quite sure. It'll be interesting to see how it continues. Yeah. Um, right now, I like it. Cool. You seem you seem convinced. Yeah. I don't know if my liking it is just because I enjoy watching them, like, do Broadway stuff. Right. Yeah. I can't rightfully tell you that it's well-written. It suffers from that thing that shows like this do, and Feud was so guilty of this, I can't even tell you, of saying things like, this coming from Patty Chayefsky, the America's you know, America's best literary writer, or something like that. Or like, mm. hey, Bobby, how you doing with that sixth Broadway show right now? What's it called again? Little Me? Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and they like, Hal Prince is there for a second. I'm like, oh, what's your next show, Hal? Oh, I'm doing something with Steve about a single guy. He's can't commit. And I'm like, oh, sounds fun. Mm. Shit like that. That a part of me sits there going, ha, ha, ha. I know what that is. And also, God, I know what that is. Yeah. Um, Like, stop force feeding us. We know. Yeah. Um, but there are some other fun things about it. They also... Have you seen All That Jazz? No, I never have. Oh. I actually, I've never delved into... I, of course I know who Fosse is. Of course I'm familiar with his body of work. Mm-hmm. I have not ever delved into his... Bi- like, his autobiographical... Stuff. Biographical. Yeah, I, or, or his bi- biographical... Uh, th- those kind of things. Yeah, um, yeah so... I feel I feel like I would learn. Yeah. I mean all that jazz is good to watch. Just A, it's a good movie. Yeah, I've um, heard. Yeah, it's it's his, you know, memoir film in a way. It's also like his version of Eight and a Half, which is the Fellini film that is that nine, nine is based yeah. off of, yeah. Uh but they do some things in Fosse Verdon when they like try to show glimpses of his of his past mm-hmm. that's sort of trying to take a page from all that jazz, cinematically speaking, like how they film it, how they cut to it. And it's I mean, it's well done, but you also sit there going, if you've seen all that jazz, you sit there going, like, all that jazz didn't banner. Yeah. Um, So I'm not trying to, like, put down the show. It's just these are things that, like, I both like and keep me from loving it at the same time. Sure. The best thing about it is Michelle Williams. She is wonderful. Um, I never knew Gwen Verdon, personally. It's one of my greatest um, failures in life is that uh, before I... I've always said that. Yeah, before I would turn 10, which is when she died, I never sought her out to become her gay best friend. Yeah, but you from, really dropped the ball there. I really did. But from all the interviews I've seen with her and the, the clips of her performing, Michelle Williams doesn't imitate so much as emulate. Is that the right word? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. Like she, I don't want to say like she becomes Gwen Verdon. It's not like the kind of transformation where she gets down every tick and every voice inflection. That's not what she's about. She kind of does a hint of the voice that we know of Gwen Verdon, like a hint of the mannerisms. So we get the general idea and then focuses more on... Like the psyche yeah. of, what, of what her... The essence her of. life was. Yeah. yeah. And you get it. I feel like you really do get it. And she does a like great that. job. Yeah. Um, Sam Rockwell has a little more difficult task because at the moment they haven't really written Fosse well. Mm. And it's hard to write him well because the biography that they based it on 
portrays him as someone who kind of lucked his way into success. Oh. Um, not to say that he wasn't no. talented. The biography is more that he didn't know what to do with his talent. That um, mm. the reason why he would often go over budget and over schedule is because he didn't know really what he wanted mm. and would just shoot as many options as he could or he would rehearse for as long as he could because he didn't he was an editor he knew like mm. he knew when something wasn't working and to change it but he didn't like have a vision in his head and like throw it out there yeah and that's a very frustrating kind of person to work with and yeah to, and yeah and that's something that the show tries to deal with as well and sit and they say that verdon was more like his translator and she was the person who could interpret what he wanted and make it even better. Mm. So they show this bit. There's like a little moment with the two of them at the beginning of the series where they're working on a dance together in their youth. And he's giving her like an arm movement. And then she adjusts it with the hand. And then he says, okay, now do it on the other side. She does. And he goes, no, your way's better. And they, and they go back. So you see him Mm. being an editor while she's kind of like maneuvering it. Uh, So it's interesting. I'm interested to see where it goes. Uh, The first episode is fun. I can't rightfully say it's like right the be all end all um and I kind of wanted it to be so we'll see yeah I can't I can't wait to watch it yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun uh in other television news news that John can actually uh give insight to well once again don't let's not use let us refrain from using that word I'm just trying to like correlate with our reviews you know I want people to get what they think they're getting from our iTunes reviews <laughs> um, like I said let's Guys, it's been months since we've done this, so let's talk about uh, it. RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, I think I think we also haven't done it in months because there's, and I think it's the general consensus on the internet that in the last year and a half, two years, we've been oversaturated. Yes. there's been there's been a a lot of RPDR and very much, <laughs> very much so. Um, and so, and they all kind of melted together. Yeah, there were moments the Bendela Creme self elimination. I'm sure we talked about you know yeah. you know those kind of things. But especially in the last nine months, as I've been carrying this baby, um, I yeah we it, it just didn't seem important to talk about. But I'm here to say today that I think we need to talk about it again because this season. It's just yeah, the drama. It's the drama. bonkers. Yeah, so romance, <laughs> the fighting, so much fighting, In- injuries, injuries. Alyssa Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Seth. Uh, what's his face? Uh, not Seth MacFarlane. Uh, guy from Community in the Soup. Oh my gosh, yeah. What's his, um, what's his Joel name? McHale. Joel McHale. Joel McHale. Joel McHale and uh, Michelle Visage's. I'm gonna go out and just say it. Sexual tension. Oh yeah, they were ready. They were ready to fuck. She was. She wanted to hate fuck him so bad. She it's did. Great. I yeah, loved you, it. You could see it. Tiffany um, Pollard. Have you ever met Joel McHale? Or are you a fan of his? Um, I was. I haven't really enjoyed him uh, since Community. I found I, him to be more like actual douchey. I get that, and I think he. Is. Well, okay. I think that's the character that he's created to decided to continue on in Hollywood. I met him when I was on tour. Mm-hmm. Um. We were at the same theater, and I tried to... When that happened, I would normally try to refrain, but there were two people that I had to stock, and it was him and David Sedaris, my Ugh. two different loves. Yes. Um, and Joel and Joel McHale was more of an accident where we happened to be walking into the stage door around the same time, and I just... I couldn't not in the opportunity. And let me take this moment to tell you that he is tall. Yeah. He is very tall, 
and he has built like a motherfucking brick house. He he, I I I I I don't know if I said anything to him other than I just probably kept repeating like sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. He, I wanted to just like pound on his chest with my wrists and mm. in, in a very female 1950s fashion and sob and like kind of like slide down you, you know yeah. how that was a thing that they would do in the 50s just yeah. run run into a man's yeah. chest to go no no and it was kind of you know me too-ish but <laughs> that wasn't a thing sure yet. no it's the it's the i hate you i hate you fuck me yeah um yeah um yeah. Yeah, but so RuPaul's Drag Race, he was, he was a judge on that. Sorry, that went to a weird sexual place for me. Um, I mean, that's that's another place this podcast usually goes. Truly. But yeah, but I, I I was talking to a friend last night and gosh, these girls just are here for the drama. They really are. It's so for those of you who aren't watching this season of Contestants, uh, we have a bunch of nicely polished queens who like know how to compete, and then mm-hmm. queens who think very highly of themselves that are who, messes, who are messes and won't own up to it. Yeah. Um. We finally had Vanjie finally admit that her runways have been underwhelming, yeah. but it took her to go through the Exorcist parts one, two, and three oh to finally God. get there, and oh then even God. after she admitted it, went full on Exorcist again at Evie. Um. But here's the thing, I I I love Evie. She's probably my front runner in this competition. Sure. I need her to stop. I, I need her to stop giving all those other bitches that, that much of her attention and her energy. Sure. You're not there to... It's not Evie's drag race. You're not there to teach the children things, Evie. You know, I, or, or to put yourself in bodily harm, which she did yesterday. Yeah. I, I love that she has, you know, that she has this um, illness. I love that she is going and showing her strength and being a fucking fierce competitor on this show, despite everything. But she basically admitted yesterday after she did stuff with her ankle that compromised it and then continued to do stuff just to make a point to, to literally walk off and go send me home now bitch to uh silky just, nutmeg yeah. i i just I, I that that i'm not here for oh see that i was i wasn't here for her on untucked um because <laughs> i i've been enjoying evie mostly for being honest with the girls because yes. we all like we all know those people who are like ah. I'm just not booking and I keep singing the same song over and over. And it's like, what's their problem? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, maybe change the song. Right. Um, and with, and with Drag Race, it's even more obvious than that. Cause they will tell them yeah. what to change. And for, and we, we have physical proof of watching these Queens week after week, watching them do the same thing. And yeah. they're being like, what's wrong? Why aren't I being in the top? Yeah. And yeah. And so Evie, I understand got very frustrated and because she has a very blunt manner very bluntly was like they told you what to change change it um and because a lot of these queens are very sensitive and won't admit it they freak out and vanjie to her credit admitted after she freaked out she's like i freaked out because you were right and i didn't want to admit it and also because we all know vanjie came to that vanjie was uh read for only coming out in corsets and bodysuits. Which she was doing repetitively, and, and it was like, girl. And it's because, and she got mad about it because you just know that's all she brought. Yeah, she, I, I know. It hurts my soul. Yeah, because there was a moment in her brain when Michelle said, stop doing this. You could see in her eyes that she was like, fuck, fuck. that's all I have. Yeah. Um, like, no gowns, no nothing. I think even, like, an, another queen kind of... Oh, more or less, I don't think she meant to let the audience know, but she said something uh, to the effect of... 
how could they read someone when this is this is all that that queen brought you know that yeah. that's you know and, and it kind of let us know oh this <laughs> this is what brand you brought yeah well that's when you have to start being creative and mm-hmm. you know i know a lot of them hate the word but crafty mm-hmm. and and eve even says like we have all this fabric on the wall that we're allowed to use mm-hmm. like free of charge like add on to your stuff like make it more um and in that sense, I do understand where Evie's coming from. It's like, you have this opportunity, and yes, like, a lot of the challenges are ridiculous, and the time frame is ridiculous, but, like, if you really want this, you will take everything that you're being offered, and you'll find the time to make stuff work. Like, Alaska has gone on record to say, like, she had so many sleepless nights on All Stars because she would stay up to drill her words, to drill her choreography, to make extra stuff in her room to, like, sneak into the workroom the next day because winning meant so much to her. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm sure Evie sort of liked that as well. In fact, yeah. lack of sleep is probably what's making her so crazy right now. I guess so. Um, I don't know. I would say her on Untucked, I thought, was a little too harsh because... I did too, because I didn't think Vanjie, when she said that Evie should go home, I don't think for a second Vanjie was like, I want to send Evie home. No. I literally think Vanjie was just like, Rue was making her say someone. Yeah. She was like, I'm going to say my sister because she was right. And yeah. I'm, oh, I'm upset at her. Yeah, and Vanjie then, was saying it as a joke. Yeah. And, and then Evie went like full on. I was like, girl... Yeah. Well, I think the defensive. I think she was getting some numb flashbacks there, especially with when Silky said it as as well. And she can be a paranoid bitch. Um, Silky, I understand. I think Untucked got a little too harsh. I thought thought it was the one time I saw Silky actually try to be an adult and be like, you want to talk about it? And Evie's like, nah. But before that in the actual episode because Silky's saying I think Evie should go home because she's injured and then Evie going on the runway later to do her stuff I actually kind of enjoyed that because it was a little bitchy but in a lovely dramatic way of being like see how injured I am now bitch and like walk off stage um I just enjoyed that I also like don't care for Silky I think that Silky lives in her own world part of me wonders because this season does feel super overproduced (sighs) yeah if if they are uh, they have to be leading these girls I, I mean it's it's very clear now that this is a vh1 production and that this is what vh1 does so how, how do you watch the the platform do you watch it um i either watch it at a bar or i watch it through a friend's vh1 account okay so you you get the vh1 commercials then yeah. that, that they do all those commercials are for reality TV shows that I have no fucking clue who these people are. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's beginning to seem a little bit like um, VH1 has a hat full of Mad Libs and picks out words and they're like, okay, our next show is going to be Tiny and TJ's Friends and Family Off, mm-hmm. which I think is almost basically a title of one of the reality shows they <laughs> talked about last night. And and I just, who? who what? <laughs> Why? And so it, it, I'm wondering... How much of the craziness of this season is produced? I'm wondering if that's backlash from how much they are trying to overproduce it. I haven't decided if it's better or worse yet, but I'm on the. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to stop watching. I also, before we wrap this up, I do you watch? Do you watch Veep by any chance? I do. I love Veep. It's one of my favorite shows. So the way that Tony Hale oh whispers into Julie Louis Dreyfus's ear every time about like this Someone's is name. this yeah. is so and so this is so and so I feel like that is the producers in the earpiece to RuPaul every time he goes through the workroom yes so, so the last two or three seasons his workroom um go arounds have been completely different yeah you could tell when they upped his medication because mm-hmm. you know that it's like he's tired he doesn't want to be there he doesn't really care really anymore and 
they have to be like, so this is Plastique TR. She's only been in America for three years. Her family doesn't approve of her drag. Go from there. Or like, with, or even All Stars 4. They're just like, uh, that's Naomi Small. She was on a, on season yeah. eight. You remember her, blah, blah, blah. She has the legs. Uh, make sure to find a way to talk about how nervous she is. Yeah. Um, and it's just so funny. Yeah. Um, because it is so obvious. Um, that's the one obvious thing that I actually find still very entertaining. Because it's like, Rue does not connect. Yeah. Um, at he all. He has no idea. If we're lucky, he remembers like two queens from a season now. Yeah. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge dollar. And on that note, everybody. It's um, time to go. It's time to go. I finally finished my iced coffee. It's time to John go. John finally finished his iced coffee. That's how we know when, in, that's yeah. how we know when an episode's done. I I'm finished my that. Gatorade. So, ending topics. Go see Hades Town, Oklahoma. Prom, let us know what you think. Watch, um, I almost said Gwen Verdon. Watch Gwen Verdon. Watch Fosse Verdon. Catch up on Drag Race so you know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and write us some more gay reviews so I can just flick the bean in front of John. Oh my god. Love it. Yep. Um, Do that. Who should we get for today's closing episode? Closing episode. Closing of this episode. Um. Uh, have we had... Uh, either Caitlin or Miss Lavelle close us out. We've had neither. Caitlin would be the first time we've had a guest close us out. Uh, that could be fun. That could be. <laughs> I like the idea of that, but now I kind of want Beth Level. I just want that. I want Beth Level. I want Let, that. Let's do Beth first, then yeah. Caitlin. Caitlin, we got you next, Tinker. Yeah, we got you, girl. Just Beth has earned it. God damn it. She's been around for a while. She's earned this. All right. So. So angry. So angry. Just give it to her already. Give her the goddamn award. Uh, this has been Broadway Breakdown. Um, I'm one-fourth of a host, Matt Koplick. And I'm an eighth mm, of a host, John Wiscavage. And this uh, is <laughs> You just level. keep saying. Keep, <laughs> you just keep saying. Let's just keep ending with, this is Broadway Breakdown. And this is Broadway Breakdown. This is Broadway Breakdown. This is Broadway Breakdown. This is Broadway Breakdown. don't make a move. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together 
we rise.